In this series of three podcasts, Viv and I are going to talk about our forthcoming project, Restless, which explores what it's like to be a survivor and why it's so important to break the taboo to enable more survivors to talk openly about their experiences. This is episode one. There are an estimated 11 million adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse in the UK, but we don't often hear people talk about it. And that's really because it's very difficult to challenge the culture of silence and shame that tells us we're supposed to keep it a secret. But for many of us, that sense of being silenced can be just as difficult to live with as the abuse itself. And having to keep our past lives and our memory secret has a huge impact upon our long-term mental health and our ability to come to terms with the trauma of our childhoods. So where do we start? How do we talk about childhood sexual abuse? And what can we do if someone wants to talk to us about their own experiences? So I'm going to introduce Viv Gordon at this point and just ask her a little bit about Restless, how it came about and her own experiences of, of talking openly about being a survivor. Hi, Emma. Hi. Um, so uh, the Restless Project um, is an arts activism project. It's about voice and visibility for survivors of child sexual abuse and um, it's been a real journey. Uh, it started, we didn't really know what it was. It started as a, um, as a desire to walk the Southwest Coast path and with this idea of the sea as a metaphor for activism and uh, coastal landscapes and the act of walking as, as ways of talking about survivor experiences. Um, and so the being in isolated exposed places and uh, navigating challenging territory and being on the edge and inhabiting the margins and those sorts of ideas are running through and we we experimented with lots of different things but what it's now become is that we're making an album which is a totally unexpected um outcome and i've been singing for the first time which is a whole new um exploration of my voice which you know was taken away by abuse so um yeah it's been an interesting journey i think that's a really interesting point to pick up on um about about your voice and how as a survivor you know we are we are trained if you like not to talk about the things that happen to us um, and obviously through you know through restless and through some of your previous work you know you've 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 done a lot to raise awareness of how difficult it is um and and i suppose what we would really like to see is more people getting involved in that conversation yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I'm 49 uh, at the moment and um, I grew up in a vacuum of silence. So there were no conversations at all about child sexual abuse as I was growing up and um, I wasn't able to tell anyone and um, I didn't remember my abuse uh, until I was 29. And so at that point when I did remember, um, the only people that I could talk to about it were my husband and, um, you know, in therapy, in safe spaces. Um, I was part of a, a support group, so I had that feeling of um, being allied with other survivors. But really, there were no spaces outside of, outside of those safe therapeutic spaces that I could talk about. A couple of friends I suppose but you know that I could talk about um, what had happened to me and 
there's just a very strong message culturally that no one wants to talk about it. I, for years, I've called it the downer at the dinner party, the thing you're not supposed to say uh, because it makes people feel uncomfortable or, or at least that's the fear. Um, and then alongside that sort of cultural silencing, I don't remember, but I, I know that a lot of um, people who are being abused are threatened uh, by perpetrators of abuse to not tell. And so I imagine that I was threatened in some way as well. And I don't, I don't remember that clearly, but I know that that's lots of people's experiences. And I feel like even now when I speak up about it, there's this bit of conditioning that is something terrible is gonna happen if I say it, but I, I'm saying it more and more and nothing terrible has happened <laughs> so far. And, and do you think that using, you know, using using your voice in um, in terms of uh, in terms of singing, uh, in terms of the of the Restless Project, you know, you've, you've written some blogs, you have, you know, you've done past work around, um, you know, talking openly about childhood sexual abuse. Has, has that how how did you reach the point from never talking about it at all to actually being able to talk so openly about about your experiences? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. So I've been lucky enough to be able to access a lot of therapy. Um, and so I've been able to process my own experiences a lot. Um, I think uh, all around Operation Utree and the Jimmy Savile uh, stuff and all, all the stuff that's going on culturally that is opening up a conversation about it, albeit quite a limited conversation that's you know very much focusing on stuff happening in institutions and churches and sports clubs and all of that and less about um incest and inter intrafamilial abuse um uh <laughs> that word's thrown me i don't know where it came from um uh you know which is is the majority of uh survivors experiences are is to be abused within their family or by someone they know and that's less part of the cultural conversation but I think I think that has opened up a space where people have been able to you know say me too and that definitely had an impact on me and I think the other thing that's that happened for me was just to start to see it more politically um less person less personally and more politically and so um you know I've always been uh an activist in different ways you know going to road protests and things like that and I um I started to I think I recognized through my therapy that uh all the shame and secrecy that had kept me silent actually that they wasn't my secret to keep and that I hadn't done anything wrong so I didn't have anything to feel ashamed about and that actually nothing could change unless I I felt able to speak unless somehow uh, survivors are able to speak out about their experiences. That is the way that change happens um, while we're all uh, in hiding um, and people are in hiding for really, really good reasons. And there's, I feel really, you know, that it's very important to say that no one should do anything that they're not ready to do just because 
of a political belief but for me the politics of it has um has helped me to to feel clear about speaking up and um and has sort of kept me engaged with that as as i see the impact of that i suppose and so you, you must have had all kinds of responses to talking about your own experiences and i know in a kind of creative sense um is, is there a safety in talking about it through creative projects is it do you, do you feel that like that's made it easier for you to move from talking about it in that context to talking about it you know politically or socially or in any other sense yeah in a way i think by um working creatively it's um you know it gives you a lot of time to process what it is that you want to say um because there's uh this is sort of the process of generating theatrical material is that um you do lots of different things and then you edit and refine so um it's been it's given me a chance to sort of hone what it is that i i want to communicate um and a way to sort of i feel like we don't have the language in um in the uk definitely to talk about trauma we're not very good at it and um and so using creativity using imagery and metaphor um is helping me to find the language for those experiences and um there's a particular um thing that i'm interested in a sort of philosophical idea called hermeneutic injustice uh, which is a particular kind of injustice uh, amongst the many others that we face as survivors, but where culturally there is no language or framework to talk about your experiences. And so that feels like part what the creative process gives me and also uh, what I'm trying to do through making work is to um, contribute to uh, creating a cultural language to talk about about these things. Yeah um i've forgotten what you asked me it was it was really just around has it helped me yeah well i think um in terms of the responses that you've had because i'm sure you've had positive ones and negative ones oh the response yeah so um is there yeah so I no i was just gonna ask is there a um <laughs> is is there a, is there an ideal response um that you you know for anybody out there listening to this who maybe hasn't spoken about their experiences before and wants to what's the kind of ideal response that you might sort of suggest as a you know for anyone anyone listening who might be in a position to support another survivor wow um well i think the important thing always is to believe survivors there's quite a, there's all that hype isn't there about false memories and all of that and actually that's all been um sort of disproved in research and it's very very unusual it's extremely hard to talk about so it's very unusual for somebody to to share an abuse experience and to be making it up um and so that thing of believing uh somebody letting them know that you believe them and um saying that you're there to listen and uh and support in whatever way i think it just takes people the time it takes them and um you know not to rush anyone or you know the experience of abuse is that obviously is non-consensual and so the experience of i don't of 
talking about it needs to feel very consensual and that somebody has a lot of control about how that happens and when that happens and that can unfold over a number of years you know for me it's un unfolding so far over 20 years that I've been talking about it yeah hmm. what about really you what do you think um, I would agree with that. I think, you know, my personal experience of, of, of talking about the, the child abuse that I um, went through was that it took me a long time to reach a point where I felt ready to. Um, and then when I did feel ready to, like yourself, you know, I've had therapy on and off over the years. I think the most helpful thing to me, though, has 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 been when you do talk about it to somebody, the response that they give you can be the thing that that either makes you feel more comfortable talking about it again or not. So the wrong response can, can silence you further. And I think that knowing that I've been listened to, that, um, you know, for the people in my life that have known about this for, 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 for years and have allowed me to talk about it, um, it's that sense of feeling that it's safe to tell somebody else these things that they are um, that they are happy to listen and to give and, and time time is a big thing as well because this these are never short conversations and um, mm -hmm. you know it, it takes a long time to you know to, to, to feel comfortable to talk about these things then the conversations do go on for quite you know for, for quite some time so I think knowing that you can go back to somebody and continue a conversation that you maybe started you know days or weeks or even months before um, is a big help as well but uh, it's not it's not an easy thing to do not by any stretch of the imagination. I think one of the things that's most use, been most useful to me is is the people who have been able to say it's not your fault, you haven't done anything wrong, yeah, it absolutely. wasn't you, yeah. you don't have to feel guilty. And I think at the by by the point where you're telling someone, you've often been protecting uh, people with your silence for a long time. So you've been protecting perpetrators or protecting family members who are going to be upset or uh, whatever or just protecting people from your this terrible burden that you're carrying and and so that's also useful to me is you know people saying you don't need to protect me you don't need to look after me yeah, I'm just yeah. here to listen yeah I think that's I think that's absolutely true because I think there is a perception that having conversations about child abuse is you know it does make people feel uncomfortable people don't know what to say people maybe don't feel confident in 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 coming up with an appropriate response um so yeah so that that has been really interesting actually just sort of unpicking some of that um the second mm. podcast the second podcast we're going to make is is just a discussion around trauma responses um, and how in the context of being a survivor trauma responses are, are often kind of normal coping mechanisms um so we hope you'll tune in for that one as well thanks very much viv oh thank you emma